This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. All right, welcome back at long last to episode number 38 of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I've been away for about a month and uh, hope you've missed me tremendously, but I apologize. I'm your host, Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring you information about lawyers using the power of podcasting in support of and developing their practices. And they have a great time doing it, too. Now, my de- guest today is Michael DeBliss, a trial lawyer in Bloomfield, New Jersey, who specializes in U.S. international taxation. Mike is known for his knowledge of international tax law and issues and creativity in his practice, his charismatic personality, and an unyielding dedication to his clients. He's a former public defender for the office of the New Jersey Public Defender and a prolific writer and passionate blogger. He's written articles that have been featured in leading tax journals like the CCH Journal of Tax Practice and Procedure, Global Tax Weekly, ABA News Quarterly, and more. He has also been featured on the media affiliates of several major networks, including all the big ones, NBC, ABC, CBS, Fox, and CNN. Now, we're here today, though, to talk about his podcasting. Mike's podcast is an interesting one. It's called Emotion in the Courtroom, and you find it at emotioninthecourtroom.com. Mike, thanks so much for joining. Thank you, Gordon, for the lovely introduction. I'm so honored to be here. Well, well, you're welcome. I'm glad to have you. And I, I just will say to the listeners, you know, I had the honor of being featured on your show uh, a few weeks ago and, uh, uh, you know, turnabout is fair play. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> I would have gotten to you anyway, but, uh, I, you know, I've been hearing about your show. So there we are. So tell me a little bit about Emotion in the Courtroom. Well, what's it all about? Sure. Um, Emotion in the Courtroom, Gordon, is a podcast that I started to, um, you know, get, um, you know, get the word out to lawyers about uh, some of the things that we can do to enhance our presentation uh, in the courtroom before the jury. Um, I found, um, especially myself when I first started as a trial lawyer, that I was very stiff and uh, very uh, and, and not very charismatic. I didn't connect very well with the jury when I first started. So I looked for, um, I looked to other, uh, to other, uh, 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 outlets to, um, become myself and become more natural in front of the jury. And that led me on a journey into acting. And I explored a lot of things that, uh, actors were doing when they were on stage to captivate their audiences. Um, same thing with improv. Yeah. And I started taking those things and adapting them and tweaking them for the courtroom. Mm-hmm. And the results were just incredible. Not only was I able to stand up there um, in front of a jury and passionately argue for my client, but I was able to be more emotionally vulnerable at at that same time. And that helped me to establish an emotional connection with the jury Mm -hmm. and, um, and led to some good results. So I wanted to, I started this podcast um, in, as a way to introduce lawyers to, um, you know, to all the pre- to uh, to different forms of stage presence mm-hmm. and to acting to help um, to help them enhance their uh, presence in front of a jury. I think that's an amazing angle to come at things from, and and you know, it's not just for the trial lawyer folks, but you know, we all have 
persuasion to do in our work. It's it's part and parcel of being an attorney, I think. And and right written per- persuasion is one aspect of it. But you know, we we market our practices, and we're trying to persuade people to come in and become clients or or uh, purchase our services. And uh, that, you know, that's just another form where we're being able to present an integrated, strategically planned presentation is is hugely important. We've you know we've all heard of of body language and and of course you want to look your best when you're doing these things and dress for success and all that it sounds like you're sort of bringing all that together with this more more um formalized presentation technique or or style kinds of stuff it, it's great and i've listened to a couple episodes and i love it so oh, thanks gordon so how did you get started with a podcast oh boy um <laughs> It, uh, it, it actually, well, I have to, I should go back and say that I was inspired by, um, by three key, uh, figures, uh, to start this. Um, you were the first oh. and I'm not just saying that to, uh, stroke you or anything, but that you were, uh, someone who I, um, uh, whose podcast I stumbled upon about, uh, oh, I'd say about, uh, six, seven months ago. Mm-hmm. I became an avid listener and there was something about your voice that really resonated with me and the message that you had. Um, so it piqued my interest because uh, I didn't know that there were lawyers that were actually using this, uh, this form of, um, you know, of engagement. Um, and you were using it in such a powerful way that, uh, I was tuning in all the time. And I was subscribing so that I knew when all of your new episodes came out. Uh, the other two individuals that uh, I also um, found inspiration from were Jacob Sapochnik, oh. uh, who uh, has uh, EnchantingLawyer.com, yep. and then uh, John Lee Dumas mm-hmm. of Entrepreneur on Fire. Um, and I would say that uh, all three of you just uh, really uh, inspired me to do this and gave me the courage that I needed because uh, it wasn't something that uh, I was able to do right out, you know, right from the get-go. It took a lot of uh, building up. <laughs> well, uh, that's wonderful company to be in. So my ego and I thank you. <laughs> so, so were you listening well so you yeah you were listening to stuff before you decided to do one yourself and did you get in, in terms of getting set up you were listening to john to john lee dumas's stuff i presume you got some of his uh, uh free materials that helped you get the tech stuff set up yeah absolutely okay. absolutely are you generally a do it yourselfer in this tech area or was this sort of a new thing for you Oh boy, Gordon. <laughs> um, this was new, uh, terrain. This was unchartered, uh, 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 territory for me. I am not a tech person mm-hmm. and I'm embarrassed to say that, um, I'm in my early thirties and I should be. Uh, so sh- shame on me that I'm not <laughs> able to do any of this on my own. But, um, in the spirit of being completely forthcoming, um, with you and the, and yep. your audience, I will admit that, um, I don't handle any of the tech aspects. Ah, okay. In fact, like, yeah, when we, when we did your show a few weeks ago, we, we encountered a little bit of a tech issue and, uh, uh gotcha hooked up right and it's improved things you were telling me before we started. So vastly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this is not a show that's specifically tied to your practice in the area of tax and, and, uh, and that area. So, would you say, though, it's benefited you in your practice to be doing a podcast? You know, Gordon, um, it's probably too early to tell um, simply because I've um, I've only released about um, 18 or 19 episodes. We've only been on for about two months. Oh, okay. 
Um, so I, I think to gauge, um, I will say this, there is a lot of engagement. Um, I see, I get, I get a lot of emails, um, and I'm definitely, um, getting out there. The word is getting out there that there is this podcast, um, being done by this attorney that who's interviewing entrepreneurs and, uh, public speakers and professional actors and that there's a great deal of value that can come from listening. So the word is getting out, but, um, I can't point to, um, a referral of a referral yet or mm-hmm. to um, any type of um, building of the practice. But I think at the end of the day, what I'm really doing is I am, um, you know, I'm uh, building my brand and that's going to take some time. Yeah. I mean, so the brand, at least in part, becomes um, that lawyer who, who talks about acting and presentation. Um, and, you know, it can only help you to to have clients see that you are actually conscious and thinking and strategic about the way you communicate. Um, but also you're, you're, as you said, you're sort of a more lawyer facing show, right? Absolutely. And so that's a source of referrals. Not everybody who's listening is going to be uh, in the same practice area as you. So that's beneficial, I think. True. Yeah. You're right. So getting up and running back to the, back to the setup and, and so on, what was the hardest part for you? Oh boy. Um, I would say um, the the podcast website creation was actually the easiest part. What I found to be the most challenging, Gordon, mm. was the RSS feed mm. um, and uh, getting everything synchronized with uh, Libsyn. Um, I again uh, will admit uh, to the to your audience that I did not have the uh, technological prowess to do it on my own, so I wound up. Um, uh, I wound up outsourcing it oh. to um, a freelancer who fortunately had a background in radio oh. and uh, she basically undertook everything from A to Z. Well, I think that's an important message is that you don't have to do this stuff yourself, although I do think it's very valuable to know and understand how everything connects together. So if something breaks, you at least know what to tell your freelancer or your helper. Yes. Um, uh, any other hurdles that you had to overcome to get started? Um, I will say that, uh, there was the nightmare, uh, situation that happened over the 4th of July weekend. Mm. Uh, that was the week we had actually launched just a few days before and, uh, came out strong with, uh, episode number one where we featured John Lee Dumas and, uh, episode two and three also had very, um, uh, very popular guests, mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, we were hacked um, within about 48 hours of launching. And again, this was over the 4th of July weekend. <laughs> so you can only imagine, um, you know, all of the hysteria that yeah, that sure. caused. Um, and I'm surprised that my girlfriend is still uh, with me because we I wound up having to cancel plans. And um, it just was a disaster. And the scary part is that when you're not a tech person like me, you uh, you immediately start panicking because you don't even know where to begin. Right, right. Okay. So, you, well, you came out of the game. So, well, let me, I'm sorry, I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. You mentioned that you have, what, 17 or so episodes in the can and out on in 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 the world. Uh, and that's only in a couple of months. So what's the schedule? You're doing two, three a week or what? You know, it varies, Gordon, okay. but um, sometimes I'm doing as many as uh, three or four a day. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, batching them and not publishing them all the same day. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Batching them. And then, um, usually what I do is I just, uh, send them off to my, uh, VA Mm -hmm. after I record them and then she takes care of the rest. Okay, cool. So that's your workflow. Basically you, who schedules the appointments and 
and uh, sets up the, the interviews? Uh, for now, I've been scheduling them, and um, I'm going to also make another admission that um, I am embarrassed to say, but um, I'm st- I'm not yet uh, using an online calendar system, and um, I'm and and I'm really the way I'm scheduling is the height of inefficiency. I'm actually uh, taking six or seven dates and then emailing them to the um, uh, to the guest, and then we're going back and forth. Um, and and you know, there's no excuse for it because my VA actually set up account an online calendar system mm. but i just haven't gotten around to uh updating it i'm gonna give a little plug for the one that i use called schedule once and uh, there's several other good ones out there calendly and a couple others i think and uh, it makes life very easy if you can invite people to just you know go here look at what's on my schedule already and if you find a you know find an open hole and schedule things um, you know, for some podcasters, I know like John Lee Dumas only records on one certain day of the week. So if you want to interview him, you pretty much have to do it according to, well, no, he records his show one day a week. Yes. Uh, you know, so there, that's another thing. If you're batching it and you d- can dedicate a big block of time, that's a great approach. But when you're dealing with busy folks, uh, you know, you, yeah, giving them some options is a great way to go. Now you came out of the gate with some really big names. Talk about how you got those people to come on the show and, and, um, uh, were you nervous and anxious about starting off sort of powerful? I mean, John Lee Dumas for episode number one is, is pretty big. He's a, a major, major name in the podcasting space. He is. Yes. Um, I, I'll admit that, um, I just, uh, sent him an email mm-hmm. and, um, we had actually communicated, um, before, uh, before the email that I sent him asking him to be my guest, mm-hmm. uh, I was a member of and still am of Paradise of Podcasters Paradise, and um, I had uh, sent him a note. Um, I think this was probably uh, about a year ago. Um, you know, just basically uh, thanking him for um, you know putting out so much educational content. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt that, uh, you know, he was like, I, I think I called him the big brother that I never had, uh, because it, he was, um, you know, really an inspiration, uh, during a time when I was reluctant to leave my government job and go out into private practice. Uh, but, uh, the message that he sent was just so inspiring that, uh, it gave me the courage, um, much like yours to, uh, venture into uncharted waters and to take that, uh, first step. Mm-hmm. So when you record, tell me a little more about your, your workflow. You, you've got a, we talked a little earlier about your microphone. You use the Audio-Technica ATR 2100 plugged into yes. your computer. What are you recording into? Software? Um, as a matter of fact, I'm recording into, I use the Skype, okay. uh, recorder mm-hmm. and I mean, I have a Mac, uh, a Mac operating system, yeah. which makes it so easy. And I've been a PC person all my life, Gordon, but <laughs> Um, uh, my brother broke me of that habit. He used to work for Macintosh and uh-huh. he told me, um, you have to, re- you have to retire the PC <laughs> and it was the best decision I ever made. <laughs> okay. Plug for Macintosh. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you just, re- you're using the Skype call recorder when you do the interviews. Do you ever do solo, uh, just you talking kinds of shows or? As a matter of fact, I did. Um, the, one of the first episodes that I recorded was about me. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it was uh, John Lee Dumas um, who um, who teaches that whenever you launch a podcast, you always want to do an about me. Sure. 
uh, one where, you know, you come out and, you know, you talk a little bit about yourself, but uh, you don't be too reserved. You want Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, let the audience know that, you know, who you are. And because the whole theme of my podcast revolves around emotion, um, I found that to be one of the toughest episodes Mm -hmm. to uh, to record because I came out um, very strong with um, a story about myself mm-hmm. and uh, what led me into um, into starting the podcast. And uh, I went into um, what uh, happened to me as a first-time attorney in my first trial. Um, and I, I can get into that. Please. but uh, Or, oh, okay. Um, so uh, basically in a narrative, you know, I explained to the uh, audience that um, as my first trial as a public defender, I stood up in front of the jury and I froze. Mm. It wow. was um, the scariest uh, moment of my life and still is. Um, even when, even now as I recount it, Gordon, I still have um, chills go up and down my spine. Wow. I was literally paralyzed with fear. I mean, my hands were shaking. My throat was so dry and closed shut. I could barely even um, even make a sound in that moment. And as you can imagine, the stares that I was getting sure. back from the 14 jurors, the 12 and the two alternates, mm-hmm. was uh, was just downright scary. And then I looked over my shoulder and, of course, saw the, uh, the fearful look of my client yeah. um, who was literally just, uh, you know, in what was in shock. Yeah. Um, and in that moment, I, I do have an aha, um, you know, message to take from that moment. Um, I was able to, and I don't know how this happened to this day. I don't know uh, what gave me the courage to be this vulnerable emotionally, Gordon. Mm-hmm. But um, I basically told the jury in that moment what I was feeling. And um, what I was feeling, of course, was fear. Mm-hmm. And I was experiencing that primordial fight or flight instinct. Yeah. Um, and I told them that I was afraid. Um, thankfully, I was able to uh, bring that back to the case. Mm-hmm. And I explained and I justified the fear by telling them that I was afraid I wasn't going to be the attorney that uh, my client needed in the most um, precious moment uh, of his life where his freedom was in the balance. Um, wow, and, I can't think of a better way to win over a jury. <laughs> oh, gosh. And I will tell you that uh, after that, I had the attention of the jury like you could not believe. But not having, you know, being a young attorney, yeah. Gordon, with who was still inexperienced, yeah. I didn't appreciate what that power was and what it meant. Yeah. And so I think I may might have done a lot a lot of rambling after that. And I will say that after um, after that, uh, after we took a little break, my colleagues who were in the courtroom is the courtroom was full. Mm-hmm. It was it had uh, colleagues. There were uh, prosecutors, and um, a lot of my friends were consoling me afterwards. And because I was ready to hand in my letter of resignation, mm-hmm. I was. This was my first trial as a public defender, and I had been scared straight. Wow. Yeah. Um, It does have a happy ending, though. um, And, uh, you know, it's uh, I I, I try to, um, you know, it's 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 walking a very fine line because uh, everybody who knows me knows this case. And I try I I really, uh, you know, don't want to reveal confidences or Mm -hmm. act boastful because obviously I had an adversary in that trial. And um, I try not to talk about, you know, whether it was a win or a loss, it was more the experience and uh, the journey that that created for me. That's great. That's great. So 
talk a little bit about how you prep for your show. You're doing interviews. So what's that preparation process like for you? Sure. What I do is um, I like to hear the voice of the guest before I interview him or her. Um, And it's hard sometimes because if they haven't uh, been featured on a podcast and I'm limited to whatever videos they may have put up on their website – but for the most part, many of them have been interviewed. Um, many of them have been guests on EO Fire. Um, some have been guests on uh, Pat Flynn's um, uh, uh, podcast. Uh, so there's, um, you know, they've been interviewed before. And so what I'll do is I'll listen to their interview. I will actually scribble some notes down and, um, you know, find out and try and really listen carefully to the questions that really excited them and that seemed to generate generate the um uh the or uh, generate responses where they really um you know where they were really excited and where they had so much uh knowledge to share mm-hmm. and those are areas that I like to revisit and I like to go to uh right from the beginning because obviously we as hosts want to make our guests feel very comfortable and um you know if they if they're being asked questions that they're excited about and that is in their niche uh, they're, um, you know, they're more willing to open up and to, uh, really, uh, share. Um, yeah. Great. Cool. So, uh, but I mean, do you also then, you know, research them, their background and stuff like that, or are you, uh, relying mostly on them to carry the, the thing? Oh, well, I've, I've actually done some research on them, of course, um, yeah. you know, to find out, you know, what their experience mm-hmm. is in public speaking. And I should say that um, I'm not repeating questions that uh, have been asked um, on other podcasts. I'm, I'm tailoring those questions to, uh, you know, what they what they do in the area of public speaking mm-hmm. and then trying to draw some parallels uh, from that to what we as lawyers can uh, learn from yeah. uh, from that in the courtroom. And that's the what I was trying to get out of you is, is, is the importance of tailoring the interview and talking about the things that are relevant to your audience, but also to the, the speaker and, and making them uh, feel a part of things. So that's great. So the big objections for, for most lawyers when they talk about doing podcasts and these kinds of content marketing uh, uh, strategies as a way of growing their businesses or whatever – is one is money obviously the the money invested in getting set up and equipment and maintaining the show uh, i think i think we can address that pretty quickly it's not as expensive as people think <laughs> no it's not <laughs> uh, but i think the other big objection is time so talk about how much time you spend putting together your show sure i think that you know you you can you you can determine up front how much time um, you, you need to allocate depending on the frequency of the episodes. So for example, um, you know, if you want to follow a format like, uh, um, like a smart passive income with Pat Flynn, where he releases one episode a week, there's not as much time and effort that's going to have to go into that. I mean, you can theoretically, uh, Gordon, you can batch, uh, one day and mm-hmm. do four interviews and then have a whole month's content sure. ready. Mm-hmm. Um, if you decide that you want to increase the frequency level and you want to, um, you know, uh, you, you, you want to engage as many listeners, the, uh, there's this old wife's tale that, uh, the more, uh, content you publish and the higher the frequency of episodes, then the higher the level of engagement. 
Um, so my plan when I came out was to, um, do, to, to do three episodes a week. Um, and I've tried to stay um, consistent with that mm-hmm. from the beginning. That does put an enormous strain on me as far as um, you know, uh, as far as uh, getting guests yeah. and as far as interviewing, because um, I don't batch uh, like uh, John Lee Dumas does. I prefer if I'm going to um, you know do interviews to do no more than two a day, because mm-hmm. after all, I'm an attorney, and um, you know, like you, I have clients that I have to attend to, and I can't uh, be podcasting all day long as much as I'd love to. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So. Would you, I mean, you've been at it for a couple of months. You've got these 17 or so episodes out there. Are you seeing your numbers going up? Are people subscribing and downloading the episodes? Yeah. Um, it's actually, it's, it's, it's very reassuring. Um, in the beginning, um, the, uh, the, the traffic on the site was very, very small. Um, and then it started growing exponentially with time. Mm -hmm. Um, after just a couple of weeks, um, it, uh, there were a few hundred people that were visiting every week. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will say that, um, I had, an existing email list in place okay. uh, from having started a blog and mm-hmm. having already, um, you know, grown an audience of approximately uh, 4,200 wow. people. So uh, I was using actively using my uh, email autoresponder to um, announce the episodes and to uh, drive traffic to the site. Mm-hmm. Great. Great. So overall, a couple months in now, it's maybe a little too soon to really draw any conclusions, but do you feel that podcasting has been worth it for you and your business and your life? It really has. Uh, you know, I have to say that uh, when I first started this, I was so apprehensive and so concerned about, you know, it being a waste of time. Mm-hmm. But um, I had a mind shift, Gordon, about, uh, you know, two or three weeks into this. I myself started getting so much value out of the guests that I was interviewing Mm -hmm. um, that I began to say to myself, boy, even if nobody listens to these episodes, I, I have, I feel like I really have had a strategy session and gained so much from it personally that it's beautiful that I've recorded it and it's available for me to listen to. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I will give an example as the, um, as your episode, um, when I went back to listen and as we recorded, I learned so much from having interviewed you and uh, you gave me so much, so many ideas for the future episodes that I recorded oh, awesome. that um, I, I found it to be just invaluable. And, uh, you know, so I, even as I said, if it fails for, and goes flat on its face, I uh, can uh, look and find some value in it in terms of self-improvement. Well, I mean, my, my personal thinking is that, you know, show me a lawyer who has a couple hundred people showing up to listen to what they have to say every week or more than once a week. And I'll show you a successful lawyer. Yes. Um, so, you know, it, it isn't so much about, you, you know, in a, in a practice area like you have, or in any field, you don't have to have a huge audience to be, to have power and to have some success. And you're building a tribe, you know, no, nothing wrong with building it slowly. Um, you know, there's a saying out there that, uh, uh, you know, a thousand true fans is, is all you need to have <laughs> really good numbers. So, um, you know, sell them something for a dollar a week and <laughs> you're doing all right. <laughs> um, yes. So, um, so share your thoughts on, on why podcasting is effective. 
You know, Gordon, I, I, I thought about that myself um, when I started listening to other podcasts. I said, what is it about this medium that is so influential and so unlike, um, you know, the written word? Mm-hmm. And as I thought about that and, um, you know, and, and, and gave it some thought, I realized that this gave uh, this gave the speaker the opportunity to speak like directly into your ears. And uh, in some cases, it felt as though the um, the host was speaking directly to you. Um, and there are some podcasters that are just so good at that and they don't even realize it. Um, I count you among those who uh, I feel like is talking directly to the listener uh, when, um, you know, when I've got you in my ears. So if I, if I'm running or jogging, I feel as though the connection is so intimate mm-hmm. and I feel as though, uh, and I might have mentioned this during our episode, even though we've never met in person, I feel like I've known you my whole life <laughs> <laughs> just from having you in my ears and listening to you. And there's no way that written words can match that in any way. Um, and, you know, if you think about what that does for the, um, you know, for building a business and building a practice, the ability to actually be in someone's ears and have them listen to you builds trust. It builds your uh, sincerity and it builds your, um, you know, it, it, it makes people feel comfortable with you. And, um, I've had, uh, as a matter of fact, um, you know, I've had some people come up to me that have, that have listened to the podcast and said, oh my gosh, I feel like I know you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's bizarre because you look around like you may never, you may never have seen this person a day before in your life, but they're like a, an avid fan and they are a follower. And, you know, it's, so it really does incredible, incredible things. And well, I mean, think about the, the value of that for either possible referral relationships, or if you're doing something a little more client facing, when that client sits down in your office and says, you know, I've been listening to your show and I feel like I really know you. Yes. That saved the first half of the meeting right there. You can get down to business. <laughs> it, it really does. And it makes them so, it, like you said, I mean, it, the, it builds a level of trust. And like you said, you don't have to worry about the the first half where you're trying to sell yourself. You've done it already. They're there for a reason. They feel comfortable with you already. And now we're just talking about the issues uh, that they're there for. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned your your nightmare moment was that July 4th weekend, <laughs> right? Yes. What about a favorite moment? Oh, go ahead. Oh, sure. Um, the favorite. Well, there was um, one other um, bad moment. I don't know if you want me to. Sure. As long as you can tell me how you recovered from it, too. Sure. Um, it took a while to recover from this one. But um, as we discussed, uh, John Lee Dumas was um, episode number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, as I'm sure many people in the audience know, John is a busy man and he, uh, he had books himself, uh, solid during the day. Mm-hmm. So he only has about 20, 25 minutes available. Um, and I would say, uh, once, once we got started in the call, I was very nervous, of course, and my, uh, voice was cracking yeah. and everything. And we got to 15 minutes and as if, Things hadn't already started uh, a little rough. Um, I looked in the corner of my screen, Gordon, and wouldn't you wouldn't you know? I hadn't started the call recorder. Oh, ouch! 
Yeah. And so I had to, of course, stop uh, John uh, mid-sentence and let him know. Um, and he was gracious and generous enough to um, reschedule with reschedule me. That's great. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I was eternally grateful because at that moment, my if the if the ground could have opened up and swallowed me whole, and I could have gone into a deep abyss, I would have I would have uh, done that because I was so mortified. <laughs> well, John's a gracious guy, so that worked out okay for you. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, what advice would you offer to someone? starting out with a podcast? What's the most important thing? All right. I would say the most important thing is don't, um, don't compare yourself to a Gordon Firemark uh, today or to a John Lee Dumas today. That's what I did. And um, I will tell you and in, in being, you know, completely forthcoming, that's what prevented me from, uh, launching on time. Um, I felt that I had to be someone that I couldn't be. Um, I obviously was uh, venturing into this new um, media, um, you know, like I was fresh out of the womb and I had no experience podcasting. Um, I'm just a lawyer. You know, I use my voice to influence and persuade, but I've never been behind a mic before. So the hardest part was listening to the recordings that I did and just shaking my head when they didn't come anywhere near the Gordon Firemark episodes that I was so used to hearing, the John Lee Dumas, the Pat Flynn's. Yeah. And it wasn't until I actually, you know, sat down and um, thought about it and said to myself, you know, Gordon had to start somewhere first. Uh, John had to start somewhere first. And I'm sure that their first, you know, uh, 25, 30, maybe even 50 episodes weren't as smooth and clean and crisp as episode as their, um, you know, most recent episodes. And so I had to have a little talk with myself and um, that that allowed me to um, give myself the permission to make mistakes and realize that it wasn't going to be perfect and uh, to accept that I was only human. Well, I think that's actually a really important point is that permission to make mistakes thing. because as lawyers, especially we are, you know, we, we carry a, a tremendous burden of getting it right the first time, uh, you know, in terms of malpractice concerns and ethics concerns and things like that. But our marketing and our, and our, our podcasting isn't subject to quite the same level of, uh, um, uh, duty, <laughs> I guess, yes. to, to the listener. I mean, obviously we have a duty to our listeners to do the best job we can, but we also, and, and to improve over time. And it's that, that ability to improve that is really where, where things lie. I, I, thank you for raising that. I think that's really important. You don't have to get it right, uh, a hundred percent off the bat, as long as you get it pretty close. And most of us are pretty methodical, detail oriented people in the first place. Uh, we're going to, we're going to be awfully close to the mark, even when we're critical of ourselves. Yeah. And you know, Gordon, part and parcel of that is that um, you have to recognize, uh, you know, anyone who is embarking on podcasting for the first time, you have to realize that you're not going to resonate with everyone. Um, there's going to be those people who, you know, who just can't connect 
to you. And um, you have to just accept that. And that for me was the hardest thing because Mm -hmm. I wanted to resonate with everybody. I wanted to make everybody happy. I wanted to build, um, you know, so much uh, momentum behind the podcast. And I wanted, um, you know, to uh, become, you know, like satisfy everybody. But I realized quickly that it's not going to be that way and that there will be those that will be, you know, raving fans. There will be those that, you know, that aren't interested and uh, will pass. And you just have to accept that. I agree 100%. And, and, uh, you know, there's that famous saying that if you're not ticking somebody off, you're not taking enough risks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't give you a chance to give me your, your favorite moment. So hit me with that. Sure. My favorite moment um, was actually when the uh, tables were turned on me mm-hmm. in an interview with a gentleman by the name of Dov Barron. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Dov. Uh, Dov is a uh, is from uh, the UK, and he is um, a motivational speaker um, and a very um, inspirational uh, person. Mm-hmm. Um, he is uh, he he uh, is very. How can I put it? Um, uh, he has, uh, he doesn't have much of a filter though. And he gets right to the point. Um, and when I got him on, I realized that, uh, he has a very strong personality and right away, um, he came out and made me feel so good. Um, he basically said to the audience, if you haven't gone to, uh, iTunes and, um, you know, and, uh, you know, um, subscribe to, uh, Mike's podcast, or if you haven't, uh, you know, give, given him a ranking yet, you do it right now. And, uh, and so I thought that, you know, I, it was just so, so nice of him to do that. And then, you know, he used me as an example in some of the, um, uh, some of the things that, uh, some of the points that he was making to help drive home points about vulnerability and about storytelling. And he asked me, uh, point blank, he's like, you know, what inspired you to even get into law and what inspired you to be a trial lawyer? Hmm. And these were the first times that, the first time that I ever had a guest actually ask me questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, I, I loved it because I felt like, uh, you know, I was on the other end of it. Um, yeah. and, we could have a nice conversation and we did. And it really uh, turned into a great episode, uh, one that required no editing whatsoever and that will be coming out uh, very soon. I think it'll be uh, popular. (laughs) That's fantastic. And I think it actually drives home a point that, you know, a format, you know, one of the most popular formats of course is this interview format like we're doing here. And it's a fairly structured interview format. I've got the, the questions that I ask of everybody, but it doesn't have to be that way. You can have a conversation that you record and you, as long as, you know, you sort of hit on the high points that that conversation can go in a lot of different and very interesting directions. And it sounds like that's the experience you had. Absolutely. Is there anything else I haven't asked you that you think I should? Oh boy. Um, I think we covered everything. I mean, I would just, uh, comment that, um, there's a lot of moving parts when it comes to podcasting and, you know, if you are uh, a little reluctant as a tech person, then my strongest advice would be to um, outsource it because it can turn into a major distraction. I still think deep down that I could have mastered the tech aspect of it. Uh-huh. 
But the time it would have taken me to do so, it wasn't the highest and best use of my time. Um, I just, I, I have a practice and I couldn't, you know, abandon the whole practice for a week or two to yeah, yeah. Um, get up to speed on it. And at the same time, my goal was to actually become a better uh, host and to improve mm-hmm. in that department. So I realized as well that I wanted to re- to focus my effort on that and not get distracted by uh, weapons of mass distraction. <laughs> well, as we were chatting before the show, I, I- I mentioned to you that I think it's great to outsource as much of the thing as you can. Obviously, you have to be present for certain things, the things that require only you to, to do them. Uh, but I also think that it's important for uh, a podcast, whoever's the producer of the show, the podcaster essentially, to understand how all the moving parts fit together and work so that when something isn't quite right, it can get fixed and, and you don't end up relying on on your virtual assistant to try to reproduce a problem and then diagnose it and then fix it and all that. The more you can help, the better. Um, And, you know, I I just think it's a good idea to know how everything works. And that's part of what we teach inside the, uh, uh, the power podcasting for lawyers course, along with a streamlined workflow that, that takes some of that uh, heavy lifting on the technology and the publishing side of things, mostly out of the equation. So, um, yeah, you know, I think thanks. This has been a great interview, and I appreciate all your insights. I know uh, our listeners will will get a lot out of this, and I'm very grateful to you for joining me. Thank you, Gordon. It's been such a pleasure um, and an honor to be on your podcast. So, how can our listeners reach you? They can um, they can uh, go to my website, um, emotioninthecourtroom.com. dot com. That's mm-hmm. the podcast site, um, or they can check out my law firm website, which is uh, theblisslaw.com. Um, and if they want to email me directly, I love getting emails. Um, I, I actually am one of those uh, people uh, that look forward to uh, emails from uh, whether it be a client or someone commenting on you know a recent blog or a podcast. They can um, email me directly at mjdebliss at deblisslaw.com. And debliss is one S, right? D-E-B-L-I-S. That's it. Yep. Okay. Um, well, listen, thank you very much again, and uh, thanks also to the listeners for their time and, and uh, attention to the show. Would you uh, please take a moment to send us your comments and suggestions? The website for the show is at lawpodcaster.com, and we would love it if you would give us an honest, hopefully a five-star review in the iTunes store. That would be very welcome. It helps us to uh, rise in the rankings and be discovered by others who might have interests. So, uh, you know, the iTunes store and, and anywhere else you listen to the show, I know we're available on Stitcher and uh, uh, a few other places. And uh, that's going to just about wrap it up for this episode of the Law Podcasting Podcast. If you're thinking about starting a podcast or looking for ways to improve your workflow, or maybe you're just looking for a community of law podcasters to join, please have a look over at lawpodcasting.com and the Power Podcasting for Lawyers course. We'd love to have you join. And until next time, keep on podcasting. Podcasting.